Welcome to the point after on WDVE Pittsburgh. The entire Steelers radio broadcast team is here to break down the last game. Here's your host, Missy Matthews. We needed it. Uh, I think we're over on possession downs offensively. Um, the punting component created short fields and so forth. They won the battle of field position. Their, their special teams was better than ours. Um, but in spite of all of those things, I just thought that the guys. Hi, everybody. This is The Point After presented by Parks Casino and Comcast. Your de- business depends on internet. Get internet your business can depend on. Comcast business built for business. I'm Missy Matthews with Bill Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley. The Steelers giving us a thrilling ending to a 19-13 win over the Titans at Heinz Field on Sunday. And, uh, Billy, I think it's good to say Joe Hayden was back. He played limited sp- snaps, but he was back. And he tackled so efficiently that even a bad spot couldn't overcome it. <laughs> but, yeah, when when you only mount 168 yards of offense, you should lose. But you know what? That defense made plays when they had to. And the offense made plays when they had to, but not enough of them. Well, if when you look back at the tape today, what's the number one thing that's jumping out at you? Joe Money. Joe Money, <laughs> Joe Money, Joe Money. I mean, that's, <laughs> you think about this guy coming back after, what, a four-game absence, Billy? Yep. They come back, and, and he goes out there. He has the audacity to start taking away the ball, comes up with a fumble, and then the play of the game. No doubt. You got a three, three wide receivers set over there. They're in man coverage. He knows, okay, they're going to run a rub route here. He comes over the top. Plants his feet right at the yard line, and then bammo, he goes in and just tackles the ball, tackles the receiver. It was a spectacular play by a veteran who just shows that's why he's a pro bowler. That's why he is Joe Money. He, mm. he only played 27 snaps yesterday. Akilla Witherspoon played 56, Cam Sutton 79. Um, and, you know, we knew going in, Coach Tomlin said, he was dealing with a Liz Frank injury, according to Jerry Dulac. You missed the four games. He was going to be on a pitch count. And Joe said he did feel good, the limited, you know, things that he did get there in terms of snaps. And I think the same was true for TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. You saw when they were taking some breathers on the side dealing with their injuries. But, you know, third downs, possession downs, you saw number 90 go back on the field. No doubt. And, uh, you know, I know that the Steelers, uh, you know, the possession downs weren't great. Uh, but, you know, when they had to make plays, they made them. And uh, when you have four takeaways, you should win a football game. I don't care who you play. And uh, that was just absolutely dramatic, and it was uh, a nail-biter. And when I finished the broadcast, I just wanted to slump in my chair and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it it, uh, it it was up there with one of the best I've seen at Heinz Field, no question. It was so exciting. Didn't we have fun? I mean, we were watching that, and it was just one of those moments where you're just so glad to watch what unfurled before us. I mean, to think about it, you got this this team coming in, and you're going to go, and you have at it, and, and it doesn't – I'm the way it started off, with them at introductions coming out and taking on and standing on the logo. <laughs> now – did, did, let me let me ask you guys: Was it Juju that did it last year on I their believe, logo? I believe. Okay, so it was. Not, we you all knew it was intentional, but it was at the same time looking at. That, I was trying to remember: Did did Juju do that down there in Tennessee? 
Um, well, we weren't remember. there. But we weren't you know, there. Oh, but, it was two years ago. Was it? Oh, no, they no, played we there, there last year. Yes. We we physically, us three okay. were physically now, we not were, there. We were uh, in cyber limbo. That's right. That's right. Okay. But I will say, at least from my understanding, you know, the whole TikTok debacle last year, Juju was doing this during pregame. You know, the Titans were introduced, and then yes. instead of going straight to their sideline, they made a little pit stop on the logo. Yes. Um, but I will say, Charlie Batch, I was listening to the postgame show here on DVE last night, and he said, you know, the Steelers were still in the tunnel. They probably didn't even leave their locker room yet, so none of them really saw it. Max think- said they saw it. They were in the tunnel. I was oh. talking to Max. Max was down there, and he said, you know, they saw it. Now, I, all I can do is say, I, I, I believe Max. He was down there at you know on the sidelines, and he said that it, if it, you know the, there were guys there bunching up in the tunnel. Okay. So I got to believe, first of all, you know, we heard that Mike Vrabel uh, brought in, uh, they had to get, uh, what, uh, black and yellow and renegade playing. Yep, All right? they did it practice. Okay, so the only thing we don't know of is did he bring in Pramani's sandwiches? See, I thought <laughs> I was wondering, okay? But at the same time, I'm a little surprised because I thought Mike was a little more. Belichick-like? I thought he was a little classier about that. You know what I mean? I, I think he's a classy man. I thought he was a good player. But I was just surprised that he'd let his guys kind of go to that tomfoolery. Do you know who else saw it? Myron. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. And yep. the curse of the terrible towel was in effect. <laughs> and it showed that throughout the game. You know, here's a team that didn't turn the ball over that much. And all of a sudden, uh, a four-bagger. That was wonderful. It was indeed. Uh, but again, you know, as I'm sitting, I'm getting more in senses. I'm watching it just because <laughs> there's such a, a disrespectful tone to doing that. And I was against it when Juju was doing it. I didn't think that was right. You know, I thought that uh, the some of the, the, the community in the locker room might take care of that, talk to him, have a talk. And I, I don't know how business is conducted anymore along those lines. But the fact was I thought it was disrespectful. And I thought what they did yesterday, that being the Titans, and Bud certainly knows. You know, that, that insignia, that logo was in the Steelers' locker room on the floor. And certainly pregame, when everything's pristine and clean, you know, everybody walks around that logo because there is a reverence for it. Now, in the mayhem afterwards, sometimes it gets a little bit, you know, uh, uh, you know, things get a little messier. But certainly there is a reverence for the logo. And certainly in a visiting stadium for the Titans, you would, uh, I think you would uh, conduct yourself a little bit better. I I, thought I looked over at one point in the broadcast and saw you wearing a helmet. (laughs) I really do. Thankfully, you stopped me. (laughs) Safety first in the radio booth, right? Yeah, there you go. That was a double chin strap time in the the radio booth. I will say just one more quick thing about them going out to the logo. I think it kind of backfired on them because the fans saw it and they were booing. And then you had the introductions and, you know, it's the defense. And I just felt like the fans really got into the game early um, and they stayed in it. It was just under 60,000 in terms of uh, attendance, people who physically showed up. But I thought it was a great crowd you know so many times max hmm. and i were both saying all right we got to turn up turn up our earpieces because we right. can barely hear you guys down there and I, I i like when that happens especially when it's at heinz field think about it what happened when they played renegade you saw the whole titan bench they're up and dancing, and jumping around but then as carnage and the quarterback <laughs> being sacked and big hits and everything you start seeing less and less jumping around and then by the end there was so uh, one or two guys the lone holdout stopped at about 15 seconds or 20 seconds left in the video. I had to laugh. I'm like, okay, he's done. 
All right, they're all done. The crowd, like, you know, they're, they're thinking, like, this is for us, and that was not for them having any of it. I also think, too, uh, Billy, going into this game, the Titans, they had a chance to be the one seed in the AFC, as crazy as that sounds, due to what happened Saturday night between the Colts and the Patriots. So, yes, the Steelers had a ton riding on this game, but the Titans did, too. Sure. I mean, to get into that driver's seat and be able to keep it uh, is a pretty special thing because you're talking about only one team gets a bye. And, but now I think for them that, that might be, uh, as Norm Crosby used to say, a mute point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are keeping a careful eye on the Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders and Cleveland Brown games. Nick Chubb just scored a touchdown. It is now 10-7. to 7. Raiders are up. And speaking of the AFC North, the Ravens started yesterday in first place, and Cincinnati ended up in first place. And who knows what happens if the Browns can pull out this one in terms of the standings and whatnot. But the AFC North is definitely turning out to be um, what it typically is, physical, close. And as crazy as it sounds, I don't know if two teams are going to end up getting in from that division. I don't think so. I, th- I think the division represents the whole conference. You know, anything can happen. Whereas in the NFC, I think you see a pecking order. But that having been said, the Steelers have a big order Sunday because I think the team they're going to play in Kansas City is hitting its stride. This is going to be the the marker whether or not the Steelers, I think in my mind, can get to the playoffs. Yeah. And if you can go into Chiefs Kingdom, all right, where that you want to talk loud, this is ear splitting loud. Uh, I, I think this is a situation where they're going to be tested to the extreme. I think you got the Mahomes and all those other guys uh, out there. The defenses, uh, the defense of the Chiefs is playing well. Um, man, if you can go in there and the day after Christmas be Grinch and get it done, <laughs> I-, I love our chances down the stretch here. Does that mean you're going to wear a Grinch outfit to the game? <laughs> we could probably find you one. I can go on Amazon, right? I don't think there's a whole lot of makeup needed for me. <laughs> I'm thinking about traveling Christmas Day with a Santa hat. There but then you it, go. Then I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll get profiled if I do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk to that guy. No, uh, yeah. let me think about it. We have Steeler Santa hats. We can hook you up. Ooh, mm. I like that. Yeah, no, yeah. I'd wear one of those. All yeah. right, I'll I'll get it to you. Uh, going back to your comment, Billy, about the AFC, uh, because the Colts beat New England, no AFC team clinch a playoff spot this week at all. It marks the first time in 19 seasons that the AFC will enter week 16 with no teams with a playoff berth already determined. It's crazy. Yeah, put them in a bag and shake them all up and pull out a winner. Isn't this what Pete Rosell wanted, though? I mean, you're talking about parity. Yeah. You're talking about wanting playoff implications to be settled in the last couple of weeks. They have worked at that steadily, increasingly over the and, and I think if if you're going to critique the level of play that we see now, you have to temper your remarks with COVID. It does affect the product on the field. But, as Mike Tomlin would say, the field is still level. Yeah. Now, for some people, not as level as others, but, you know, they've allowed the rosters to expand to the point where you should be able to play the game. And. And, and again, I'll quote Mike Tomlin, you know, that, that guy that doesn't get to play, if his number's called, he should be ready. And so have at it and see who emerges the winner. And I always believe this, that the best teams at the end of the year are the healthiest. So let's get some more Steelers healthy and keep the ones we have healthy. Can I just say this one thing? Who goes to their fifth left guard? <laughs> Well, I mean, seriously, you want to talk about, <laughs> about digging deep. I mean, the next man up, 
I mean, literally, who goes to their fifth left guard? Uh, one note I didn't get to mention on the broadcast yesterday, um, speaking of left guard, Kevin Dotson, that was the first time I saw him on the sideline at a home game. He hasn't been traveling with the team, obviously. A lot of injured players don't do that. Um, right. Tyson Aluwalu just started traveling with the team. I think more of like that veteran presence and whatnot. He's in team meetings. I mean, Tyson's at the facility every day, yeah. rehabbing and just being a good teammate. Um, but I saw Kevin Dotson on the sideline yesterday. Interesting. So he's still on IR. I'm sure Coach Tomlin will be asked about him uh, among a number, a number of people. But, um, yeah, maybe that – Get him healthy at the right time. I wonder, has he hit his window, the three-week window? Yes. He has? Okay. So this is going to be interesting because he would be huge down the stretch to get that big body back. I mean, that guy, you know, the one thing about him, he can move people. I mean, he is he is that guy. A people mover. Yes. And he, he lifted the truck up, or what was it, before he was drafted? Oh, uh, he was pushing a truck, that's yeah. That's right. Okay. That's what, you, that's what we do. I used to do that way back in the day. I mean, that was the fun stuff. I don't know how fun that I sounds. I pushed a truck. It didn't move. <laughs> what about a toy truck? I can do that. <laughs> um, oh, dear. Very quickly, sticking with the offensive line, the pre-snap penalties, Billy, especially at home. I don't know how you, you stop them from doing it. I, I think the coaches are obviously hampering on them. I think the guys know what's happening, but it is really, really, you know, killing drives and hurting them badly. Shooting oneself in the foot. It shouldn't happen. And uh, especially when a receiver does it. Uh, okay, you can see a lineman worried about him and where he's coming from, but a receiver has one worry in mind. Get off the line of scrimmage and get open. And he should never, ever, ever be caught flinching. And, uh, I, and, and when I say that, I think the one time, for whatever reason, Deontay seemed to fall a little bit out of his stance and tried to catch himself, that's a flinch. But, you know, it, it shouldn't happen at home. Well, Those are your guys. Well, some of I, your guys. <laughs> I can only say that we as offensive linemen always used to believe that there was the province of um, flinching and um, holding were ours. <laughs> the wide receiver should not be part of that. <laughs> that I mean, if you're going to have a flinch or a hole, should be the fat guys up front, you know. Um, two injuries, just quickly to note, Coach Tomlin mentioned after the game, obviously, Pat Fryermuth mm. left the game. He is in the concussion protocol. Um, I did see on Twitter today, this is how funny, you know, social media is. His brother called into a Boston radio station, somebody that must have covered them growing up in, in sports since they're from out that way, and said, hey, good news, my brother's the one driving us home from the game on the way to his apartment. So he's going to be okay. I like that. Hey, I'm glad that we got a little little pre-scouting report about him. I mean, you know, that was a wicked hit. I oh. mean, one of the one of the players was belly aching about it. Was a Bayard, I believe. Yeah, he okay. complained about all the the, uh, the 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 three penalties during that drive. He was pretty livid, apparently post game. I did not hear him. I just read about it. Just any way you look at it, that was a helmet to helmet hit. I mean, he hit Fryermuth right in the ear hole. And I like Mike Tomlin's uh, reaction to the question on a particular call that wasn't made, were you upset with that? I was. Mm -hmm. And, okay, next question. You know, he, right. he won't go there. And right. why, sh I mean, it, it serves, uh, to quote Bill Cowher, it serves no purpose. But what, what I want to leave it with, do you see how he clutched that ball? You know, you yeah. think about the Seattle game, you think about the, the game last week, right? And he drops that ball. He was not going to drop that ball. He didn't know if, he didn't know what day it was. But he was not going to drop that ball. You know, I mean, young man's learning. That's 
that's the price you, as a professional, you pay. He's yeah. a he's a prized rookie. Oh yeah. I think a lot of people, obviously there was a lot going into this draft of revamping the run game, the offensive line due to retirements and, you know, guys going to other teams. And I don't know if so many people were super excited about them taking a tight end that high. But as you said, Billy, it is really paying off. Oh, I mean, he and Wolf and I talk about it. We sometimes wonder why they don't use them more, but I'm sure there's a schematic reason for that. But I will say this uh, in the future, I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that when the top tight ends are conversed about, kibitzed about in uh, the coming years, his name's going to be among the top tight ends. He's that good. Absolutely. One more injury to note. Chris Wormley is dealing with a groin injury. As always, Coach Tomlin will update us on Tuesday during his press conference. We want to let you know for the most complete selection of Steelers merchandise from official sideline gear and authentic memorabilia to our extensive selection of jerseys and terrible towels, Visit one of the official Steelers Pro Shop stores located at Heinz Field, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets. Or you can visit us online at shop.steelers.com for all of your Steelers merchandise needs directly from the team. You're listening to The Point After on DVE. Back to The Point After on DVE. With Derek Waters, a wing back right. Ben tries it again, there and this go. time, it's successful for the touchdown. Ben's first of the year, and this crowd celebrates. Welcome back to The Point After, presented by Parks Casino and Comcast Business. Missy Matthews, Bill Hillgrove, and Craig Woofley. And Billy, yesterday it was uh, two quarterback sneaks for the touchdowns. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's 20th of his career, the first since 2018. And uh, just one of those gritty performances by Ben. We talked about the no call should have been roughing the passer, unsportsmanlike conduct. I mean, you name it, it could have been anything uh, from Jeffrey Simmons. There was just he had he did not have the ball at all. And he he just took him straight on. Yeah. And and of course, at, at that point, I guess it's technically not roughing the passer because he handed it off. But still, it's a foul. I mean, and and as I said on the broadcast, if that's Tom Brady, there are five flags in the air. But it's unsportsmanlike conduct. Well, you know, for a roughage beyond the the point of uh, having to roughage about. You know what I mean? You think about it. You, Naquan Jones, 6'3, 313 pounds. Okay. He had at least two, if not three, full seconds to pull off. Ben stood there with his hands by his side and he comes up and whacks him one. Now, I'm sitting there going, "Um, I don't think that would happen like that, even if it was Tannehill. It just. It was just so blatant, you know. I, I just I didn't understand it. I think if uh, you're trying to protect quarterbacks, maybe near forty year old quarterbacks, you give them a little consideration. And first of all, what in the world is Naquan doing? It, the handoff had happened seconds ago. I mean, he, he hello, you know. I mean, I I don't know. It's like McFly, you know, boom, 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 hello. <laughs> but he just seemed to just want to run and take a, a run at Ben. That's what it was. I yes, misspoke. Me. It wasn't Jeffrey Simmons. He's the one that tried to go for his right knee a right. little bit. Oh, yeah, uh, when he yeah, went down, yes. Yeah, I was confusing the yeah. two, you know, uh, brutal right. hits on seven yesterday. Hey, they're all big. They're all not friendly. <laughs> if Clearly. you happen to be in a black and gold uniform. So you can you can mix them up, but they are – That's a good. that was a good front that you saw yesterday. That was second against the uh, run in, in the NFL defense. Mm-hmm. Those guys were big and they were mobile and – Generally, when you have a real good offensive line like Tennessee does, the defensive line is probably pretty good because they get to practice against a very mm-hmm. good offensive line. Well, so. Naquan Jones, he proved he could run, but he can't stop. 
Yeah. That's about so it. Maybe they oh. cut him that leeway. <laughs> Who knows? I have one for you guys. Um, Mike Vrabel, after the game, was asked about, you know, containing Najee, the Steelers' run game. Was it the focus for your team? He said, quote, um, where is it? Oh, no, we knew that they probably would. I mean, we didn't know they'd run the ball on us. All their runs were jet sweeps, razzle-dazzles on the outside. You know, didn't think that run game was going to be an issue. Oh, yeah. That was uh, pointed. Uh, it was about as pointed as uh, standing on the logo. About as pointed as uh, playing black and yellow or renegade. Again, I wish they'd asked, did you get Permanis? Well, were you more worried about the Steelers than your own team? That's my question to Mike Vrabel. Yeah. I don't think anybody in Nashville would ask that question, but I would ask it. You know, and, and I think, in retrospect, he should have worried more about the Titans than he did about the guys in the black and yellow. Yeah, there was obviously some sort of angst going on there. Well, well, they apparently go on the opposing team's logo every game. It wasn't just a Steelers thing. Well, I, Again, things you learn on Twitter. Yeah, and, that, and that's what they say. Um, I don't know. I've not seen or heard that. And if, if it's in retribution over Juju, that possibly could have happened. I get it. I... To me, um, I think if I'm a head coach, I say, fellas, we don't do that. You know, there's something about a classy organization that has uh, the characteristics of this is what it looks like to be a winner, you know. What's the phrase? Issuing wolf tickets? If you do that, back it up. Yeah. And guess what? The visiting team didn't back it up yesterday. No. Especially not in the second half after, you know, oh. they, they took a nice lead Goose in the first. For what, 46 minutes? Mm-hmm. No I'll, doubt. We'll take it, though. No question. I mean, this was badly needed. You're you're looking at a, a four-game spread here where you've got to win. I mean, let's face it. And you got the Tennessee Titans, who have uh, one of the most prolific run games uh, in, of late years here in the NFL. And even though they don't have Derrick Henry, it's still pretty dadgum good. And you take a look at that offensive line. They come off flat back. They look like they were born to run block, these guys across mm -hmm. the front. And, um, you know, they they did a good job, but the Steelers kept hanging in there, hanging in there. And uh, at some point in time, you know, you, you turn the tables on them and a little bit of football jujitsu there. And, you know, those takeaways, they add up and they are great. And I think the Steelers have proven that they like the third and especially the fourth quarter in terms of, you know, playing good football, sound football, taking care of the football. Uh, maybe not as many points as we wanted, Billy. I think, you know, especially that last drive that they kicked the field goal, you know, Getting seven there would have been huge. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and you get that feeling. Wait a minute. We had that turnover. We had the short field and we settled for three. Nabbit. But you know what? Uh, you take the points when you can get them. And if you defend as well as the Steelers did yesterday, you can win ugly. And that's exactly what happened. Well, the L.A. Chargers might have wished that they'd kicked field goals instead of going for fourth downs. How about the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah. What about the Ravens? And the Ravens. Well, you guys are all over it. I thought I had one right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that game was after, you know, like once you got home, you could watch the end of the Packers and Ravens game. So That's all right. You just won up me. That's okay. It's all right. <laughs> oh. uh, sticking with Ben Roethlisberger yesterday in the second quarter on a three-yard pass to Najee Harris, he passed Philip Rivers for the fifth most passing yards in NFL history. Um, you know, it's like the 400 TD catch in Green Bay. I feel like it's always happening for Ben where it's not like maybe a celebration, a momentous, you know, moment in terms of it being something great because that drive didn't end as well as he probably wanted it to be. No doubt about it, but the win 
the win happened. Yeah. And that's, again, this is everything about getting the win. Um, if, if there's any chance at a storybook ending, if indeed this would be Ben's last year, then you've got to write it and you've got to write it now. And he deserves to write his own ending. Only Ben. Missy, did anybody talk to him about sitting on the steps inside? Yes. Did you hear what he said? Oh, no. I loved it. He said, um, I thought I was the leading rusher at Heinz Field, so I just wanted to take a minute to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> that was his response. And then just moved on to the next question. But, but think about it. Passing Philip Rivers has to mean something special to Ben. Draft because, classmate. Well, and the third one drafted that year. Mm-hmm. And I posed this question to the NFL. Which of those three guys is going to wear a gold jacket? I think definitely there's only one. Well, I, I, there's no question that Ben's going to wear a gold jacket. No doubt about it. I mean, and I hope I hope that, uh, you know, he gets to have some uh, more fun coming up here down the line. We'll see. You know, you just – all I know is that you got to believe, and I keep talking with Max Starks, who is part of our group, and, of course, Max was part of that prolific run in 05 when they won their last four, then they won their last other four in the mm-hmm. Lombardi land you know, trophy run. And uh, that, was, that started off when everybody thought they're done. But you ain't done until you're done. So let's see. I thought it was interesting when uh, defensive coordinator Keith Butler was speaking pr- prior to the Titans game he, you know, just brought up that fact. Hey, you know, we've won four four games in a row down the stretch before, and it worked out pretty well for us and just got that little, you know, sheepish, sheepish smile on his face. So I do wonder maybe that was, you know, a point of emphasis in one of the team meetings or something. Like, guys, there's still a chance. No question. Billy, you remember that run. Oh, and, and didn't they enter the Derby as a sixth seed? Yeah. yeah. Well, because of circumstances. You right. Know, ben missed a couple of games, and they kind of – Right, but As they Dizzy were Dean would say they slud, and uh, guess what? When it counted, they uh, stacked some wins. They did indeed. They got hot, and they believed in each other. They trusted each other. I, you know, they had their highs and lows. I'll never forget in the Colts game, the AFC divisional round. What I believe it was, watching as as Bussy's about ready to go in oh. from one yard out, and the ball careening off. And I remember turning around, and I hear Tunch yelling in my ear, somebody stop him. Somebody tackle him. <laughs> you know, I turn and look, and there's Potsy Ferrier behind the Steelers bench, handing his gloves to some fan. All of a sudden, he's sprinting over to, to Dick LeBeau, and they're, you know, going the other way. It was it was an amazing turnaround. But to go into Detroit, and again, the, the images that I remember was on Friday, Tunch and I went down to the offices there in Detroit watching some of the film, you know, to – and 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 there's there's Butsy. He's all up. And we said, "What's going on?" He goes, "Potsy missed three checks. We're seventy-two hours, forty-eight hours from kickoff. He missed three checks." And we're like, "Oh, whoa!" Butsy's a little bit. Of, he's wired up, man. Coaching moments. Yes. Uh, one more point uh, on Ben Roethlisberger. As mentioning mentioning to you guys during the break, his Miami of Ohio team is playing North Texas this week. Of course, Joe Green's alma mater. So he is doing a friendly wager. He posted a video on Twitter saying that if Miami of Ohio wins, he wants a signed Mean Joe Green jersey for his collection. And he said if North Texas wins, he's going to be making a donation to Joe Green's Memorial Scholarship for North Texas. So pretty cool. Pretty sweet. I like that. So it's the Miami Red Hawks against the West or the North Texas Mean Green. Mean Green. There you go. <laughs> Pretty I cool. I like that.
Pretty cool. Uh, some other records yesterday, Deontay to a thousand yards, first time in his career. And Ben, of course, was asked about passing Phillip, but you know, he was very happy for Deontay. I think that connection we've really seen blossom mm. this year. No question. I mean, Deontay has become the GOAT. And he's, and you know what? Deservedly so, because we've talked about he's the first one there, last one to leave, has the work ethic, um, got over his problems of last year. And, you know, he's – and what I like about him is not only is he tight and, you know, I mean quick and tight spaces, you know, he can really dart, but he uses that stiff arm pretty effectively. Not as well as Najee, but he's not as big and strong. Yeah, it's not, not as right. big as Najee. And, and, but he still uses it effectively, and when defenders go low on him, they could get a hand on the helmet and hit the ground very quickly. So you, you got to love watching him. I, what I love is to watch his pregame because after the fiasco that Buffalo was last year, he had, what, 13 drops last year. He's got, I think, three now or something like that. But it was a young man who was determined, okay, I'm not letting that happen again. Now, you've got to break up some patterning that you've undergone with those drops. It's obvious when you watch him and watch what he was doing, there's a patterning, a patterning that has been occurring that was creating those problems for him. So what did he do? You know, I mean, he goes out, he gets tennis balls, he gets a guide helping him, and he's doing all these things to, you know, create for him a routine that's going to give him a, a, an increased level of being able to catch that ball. And I, I love the fact that he did it in the offseason, that he did it because he wanted to move forward and be better, and it, it has resulted in great results. Don't they call that cybernetics? Where you visualize it and then do it. That's part of it, yeah. There's and, and no it doubt. has to be a positive thing. Yep. Because if you do the other thing, it's negative. No, it becomes self negative doesn't prophecy. work in sports. Yep. No. I will tell you, you got to get in the theater of your mind. I got so good at that, I could butter the popcorn. <laughs> you know what? I've seen you do Hamlet. I'm impressed. <laughs> Deontay, we had a chance to sit down with him. I think it was earlier in the season, probably in the first four weeks. And he said, I think their number was 12 drops, whatever it was, 12 or 14. He said every time he's catching with one of the equipment guys, Lou Blades or whoever, he always makes sure there's 12 in a row, and then he stops and he'll leave and do whatever. So he he really is, you know, fixated on that number, but in a good way. Yes, and I love the fact that he was proactive, going after it, wanting to get better. You know, when Tunch and I, years and years ago, as we came to the NFL and and back then we had no off-season instruction like that. We sought out some people that would help us uh, be able to use our hands better in pass protection because it was a new and growing area for an offensive lineman. They had just, you know, um, loosened up the, you know, instead of being a heavy bag on two feet, such as an offensive lineman was with the hands to the chest, you could now engage and use your hands to punch. And uh, that resulted in the touch punch, and, you know, you, the rest is history. Speaking of using your hands, I saw a post on Twitter today where uh, – T.J. Watt is trying to fight off two guys. Both had a hold of him. Oh, yeah, the seatbelt. <laughs> he looked like he was, like, swimming. And, and, <laughs> Just and it happened more than once. And, and then the thought occurred to me as, as we, you know, heard the feedback from the field, he might be the second coming of Debo. He could become the most held man in the National Football <laughs> League. Well, the thing that would, was with Debo, what was wild, was he was so – he had the just rip, no dip. See, most guys will dip right. and rip, oh, no. but Debo was so short, he just <laughs> threw the uppercut on the 6'5 guys because he was only six foot. He threw that uppercut, and they would go around his neck. It would be what <laughs> they call in jiu-jitsu the Mataleo, the rear naked choke. You know, they, <laughs> they had it on him, because, and, but the problem was the officials weren't throwing the flag for a long time. 
Yeah, so. I think he probably could complain a little bit more than Kevin uh, Byard yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> All right. You're listening to DVE. This is The Point After, presented by Parks Casino and Comcast Business. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. On DVE. Gets the snap. His back. Pocket collapses. He's hit. And he's sacked back inside the 20-yard line. They came from all angles. And who gets the sack? Is it T.J. Watt? Everybody, welcome back to The Point After, presented by Parks Casino and Comcast Business. Your business depends on internet. Get internet. Your business can depend on Comcast Business, built for business. Missy Matthews, Bill Hillgrove, and Craig Wolfley taking you to the top of the hour in number 90 yesterday. He is now the Steelers' single-season record uh Holder for sacks, he passed James Harrison, who had 16 in 2008. TJ's now at 17.5, Billy. There's still three games to go. Um, and he is also has the third most sacks in his first five seasons. Only Reggie White, who has had 81, and his brother, J.J. Watt, 74.5, have more than him. He is spectacular to watch. And his impact on this team, not just the defense, on this team is profound. And um, we have to ride him and hope that he, knock on wood, stays healthy. Um, we have to ride him down the stretch and hope that, uh, you know, he can become what Debo became in 2008. No question. I mean, look at it, 17 half sacks. He's played two less games, mm-hmm. uh, plus the fact I believe he's missed at least half of two more or something the like cin- that. That Cincinnati game at home, he played 16 snaps. I think he yeah. had two sacks. Yeah, I mean it- – the young man is phenomenal. He's a veritable encyclopedia of modern-day pass rushing uh, techniques. You watch him and, you know, you learn. I think he's a great bookend – I mean, a great example of a bookend mate to Alex Highsmith because Alex is going to learn so much. There's a lot of raw material there in Alex Highsmith who's going to learn to be great just like him. And I think that, you know, it it raises the level up there. And, and let's face it, I mean, this guy comes up with more big plays and what happened – when you know this is what this is what I love. Pittsburgh lets its people know what they think of them, and he recovers that ball, and you hear that MVP chat. Ah, and I'm telling you what, man, it was just like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You remember the day he was drafted? Yes, we got to interview him, you right, and me, right. And I remember, I think you asked him the question, "What do you bring to the table?" He said, "Relentless." Yeah, and man, is he, he back up that statement? Yes, you're exactly right, Billy. Uh, he has shown that to be part of his uh, personality because he is relentless in what he does. He gets after you, and I don't care if they got double team or what have you, whether he gets chipped and so forth. The guy is just absolutely relentless in his pursuit of playing football. He is, uh, yes. And I think even, you know, going back to the press conference after he signed the contract right before we left pretty much for Buffalo that Friday, just his passion and love of a love of the game. Right. Um, he is not afraid to put in the hard work. So he is Steelers are definitely lucky to have him. And, you know, in addition to his one and a half sacks yesterday, three quarterbacks hits, one tackle for loss, and a fumble recovery. Not Think, too bad. Not too bad at all. For, Think about let's see, this. he only played uh sixty seven snaps, which was eighty four percent, but you know, not too right. bad. Not too bad at all. Think about this. When he was out with COVID. He comes out, and what's he do? He's riding a a stupid stationary bike Peloton. He's out in his cleats like a little kid in the backyard. He's throwing moves on and everything. On trees. On trees, no less. And I'm... I'd be willing to bet on 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 TJ over the trees. Okay. But but the fact is he comes in and he had a big performance that week. You know, so many athletes have the will to win. 
So few have the will, the will to prepare to win, and he's got that will to prepare to win. And he did his best imitation of Dirt Winston. Oh, yeah. Remember Go that? in and get that ball in that pile. Like a groundhog, man. <laughs> you know, he was late to the pig pile. That happened right away. I think he stole it from Cam, to be honest with you. Oh, well, hey, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sure you I, have it. Yeah, I thought Cam got there first. Should be but... careful about identifying him because Cam might have an attitude tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, they, they, you know, those two are very competitive. They're almost like brothers in terms of, spe- oh, yeah. especially, well, obviously Cam got credit in game for the sack that ended up being a half sack for each. But you could tell DJ was a little ticked off on that. You know, you, you get out there, you're competitive with your, your line mates, your, your teammates, what have you. Tunch and I, Tunch and I, we used to have a bet over who had the most tackles on interceptions over the end of, you know, when the, at the end of the year. You know, I mean, it was, hey, dinners were big, you know. <laughs> you know. Um, in terms of James Harrison, just quickly before we wrap up on TJ, he sacked Kerry Collins of the Tennessee Titans in 2008 for his record. So appropriate, TJ got it against Ryan Tannehill of the Tennessee Titans for his. There's to something beat him. symbolic in that, huh? A well, little bit of our irony. And, and if you need a little trivia, a little Mac trivia, if you will, uh, Debo holds the sack record single game for the Mid-American Conference. Oh, really? In his final game. I didn't know that. Kent State against Miami of Ohio. <laughs> There's another little bit and of trivia And guess there. who the victim was? Was it Ben? It yep. was. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I didn't oh, know yeah. that. I always uh, keep handy during games because I know at one point I'm going to need this, but the most sacks in a game by a Steelers player, Joe Green has the most, of course, with five. But still, there's, you know, Peasy, um, Edmund Nelson had four in a game, and I bet you there's going to be a game where we say, all right, TJ, where are you ranking among this list at some point? You know, the interesting thing when Joe had that sack record, he also, um, there was like half a dozen to nine guys, starters that were out. It was against the Houston Oilers in 72. Joe was a veritable one-man defense. He figured in all the scoring, and the Steelers won either nine to six or nine to three. I remember that, and it, it was phenomenal. He had five sacks. He had I don't know how many tackles. He had it was ridiculous, and uh, he blocked a field goal, recovered a, a uh, fumble, but he figured in all the scoring, and uh, that's that's a Joe Green effort, and uh, certainly TJ is is starting to draw dimensions like just like Joe did. All right, it is time now to take a look around the NFL, brought to you by Clearview Federal Credit Union, your financial partner for life, clearviewfcu.org. We are uh, watching via ESPN right now the uh, Cleveland Browns and Las Vegas Raiders game. Unfortunately, Nick Mullins just threw a six-yard TD pass to Harrison Bryant, so the Browns are up 14-13, to 3.45 left in the fourth quarter. I'm sorry to bring the bad news, but we had to go around the NFL, Wolf. <laughs> oh, that's painful. That's painful. Come couldn't, on. We go, couldn't we go further than the lakefront? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the other games. Um, the Chiefs beat the Chargers. We already mentioned the Colts beating the Patriots. The Bills uh, kind of maybe got a get-right game against the Carolina Panthers. The Lions beating the Cardinals. That was one where wow, I'm like, yeah. you know, happening during our game. Is this real? Somebody tweeted that. I had to physically go look it up myself because I was like, there's no way. And Kyler Murray played. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Oh. Not well, but he played. Well. <laughs> and there was a lot of, uh, you know, not doing so well there in Detroit. But I will say this. I saw the uh, little clip of Dan Campbell afterwards. And, you know, he believes in his team. He loves his guys and his guys. 
you could see in that little locker room clip there. They they have the same similar feelings about him. You know, that could be an organization on the rise. He might be the guy that might be able to help turn that thing around. Yeah, they played the Steelers tough. Yeah, they did. Yes, they did. That darn tie. Who knows what it's going to mean, good or bad, when the end of the season comes, but it just makes me a little anxious. Well, yeah. like the winner of the division may have to depend on, just flip a coin. You know, <laughs> it may come down to that. All oh. the tiebreakers are even. Now let's flip a coin to see who oh wins the division. Heavens. Wouldn't that be wild? And gets oh. a home game. Right. Crazy. Uh, one last score since everyone probably loved this one on Sunday Night Football. The Saints shutting out Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Unbelievable. I watched Sean that Payton game. had COVID. He didn't coach. But, yeah, that was a crazy game. Dennis Allen, the who was the, uh, who took over as head coach for the Saints, um, it was interesting. Tom Brady had some words, choice words for him at the end of the game or towards the end of the game when he ran towards the sidelines and yelled something at him. And uh, I was surprised. I mean, Brady composure. I don't know. Maybe you get that get a little crankier. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, I'm not. Saying, You're not cranky. Saying. But he's old. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, is that true? Holy cow. You are so correct on that one, Billy. Billy with the zinger. I like it. We're getting uh, feisty here at the end of the show because the Browns are up by one still. Two forty-seven no. left. Uh, we will keep you posted. But um, uh oh, we gotta talk about what happened. Browns intercepted. Uh, all right, let's stop talking about that Okay, game. let's forget. Everyone check and on then, your own after the show. <laughs> and then depression set in. <laughs> Rats. Um, in terms of the run game, Wolf, I know you went back and watched it. Uh, yeah. The Titans run game, I should say. The Steelers' defense over the last six of seven games, they're giving up 149 average rush yards. What is going on? They're getting gashed, and they're not filling the, the proper uh, fits. You know, when you watch them run down fits – um, they are holes that were in Minnesota were just unspeakably wide, and it's unfortunate. But you had linebackers that were running, either pursuing too far or were hit in the backside when it should have been the front side. But it's been the cutback primarily that's created problems and issues. And it's all about making sure you stay with your fit, don't run around the block, control the block, come down the line, square shoulders, lock out, and it's that sort of discipline that you need. Play in and play out, and it's not been happening thus far. I, I, this is the untrained eye seeing running backs uh, being pursued. I never like to see that. I'd like to see them hit, yeah, preferably before they hit the line of scrimmage, and you're not seeing enough of that. No, we're not getting enough. As Mike Tomlin calls it, knockback tackles. That's what you're looking for. We saw a few now. Yeah, uh, Robert Spillane did bring some downhill bang. That one – that. There's uh, some good stuff that he, he brought. There we saw some improved play from Devin Bush. He had that near pick. Could have been uh, a terrific interception. He had some other tackles. I believe he had five, six tackles. Uh, Joe Schobert, that was an excellent game by Joe Schobert. Had an interception. Let's salute um, Taco Charlton, who oh. we can maybe, maybe we can upgrade him to Chimichanga Charlton, right? You know? <laughs> we, I, we had a chance to interview him after the game. He was wonderful. Uh, just very insightful. You know, I like somebody that gives me an elaborate answer, maybe more than just like, you know, a few words. And right. if you ever get a chance to talk to Taco, you would really like it, Wolf. Oh, let's not forget Derek Tuska, who came in. and Arthur Mallette. Arthur Mallette. Oh, oh, good point. He's playing well. And let's let's throw a little prop out to the big Laglue. All right? <laughs> an right. line shout out? No, What's, not on this show. Little, we where, 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 is, where was he on the depth chart? <laughs> he was, yeah, five, you know? I mean, but hey. 
when when Ben went for the second, you know, the, his, for his rushing record at Heinz Field, as he called it, <laughs> where'd he go? Right behind Kendrick Green and the big Laglue. You know, so good for him. And uh, this offensive line, you just got to believe and keep pushing, keep pushing. Don't give up. Fellas, it's still there. They have the ability. They've got to be able to manifest that ability. But that's going to take belief and keep coming. But these things can happen. In 84, when we made a push late in the line, we had a couple of guys that made their first starts going down in the last couple games of the season, and we had a run going into the playoffs. And it can happen. It can happen. I I just keep – I know people sit there and say, no, you're a little dinged up. Well, I may be dinged up, but, (laughs) you know, I believe it can happen. I like the way you think. Well, I – you know what – I've always believed, I've never believed that we never had a punch in, uh, puncher's chance. I mean, as a player or as a broadcaster, you see it. I've experienced it too much where somebody rises up and uh, they make plays when you think, wow, that guy could never do it and suddenly does it. So just hang in there. As Ben Roethlisberger said after the game, we still have a pulse in this thing. Yes, that summarizes it all. And it's true. And as you said, a very tall task going down to Arrowhead, just playing in that environment. The Kansas City Chiefs are definitely not the Kansas City Chiefs we probably saw a few weeks ago. So um, how do they keep that mentality? We talked about after the Ravens game of, you know, it's a win. You clean some things up. And then we saw what happened in Minnesota. So how do they not let that happen again? Again, it's the thrill of what's coming ahead. I mean, if you look at this and I have had a few games like this myself, Billy, you know, it's that threat of. You could absolutely get run out of the stadium if you don't bring your A-plus game. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what they're capable of doing, and it's those mental RPMs that start ticking away, and suddenly, you know, guys start playing to their abilities, and I I love it. I mean, there's nothing more exciting than going into a hostile stadium where you think, you know, if I don't play as as good as I'm possibly capable, this is going to be a nightmare of nightmares. And that men rise to the challenge, and I think that's what can happen. The cup is half full. It is a great challenge to get ready for the Browns and the Ravens. Oh, yeah. Man, this is this could be historic. You don't know. This could be historic. Hey, you can sit there and look at the other side, other side and say, no way. Hey, look, it could be historic. So I'm just I'm looking forward to the ride. And if you're a competitor in that locker room, I know to a man they've got to look at each other and say, Hey man, let's let's give it our best shot and see what happens. Like Ben said. We still have a pulse. All right. I hate to do it. It's the two-minute warning, and uh, the Browns are still up. But anyways, thanks so much for joining (laughs) us here tonight on The Point After, presented by Parks Casino and Comcast Business. Your business depends on internet. Get internet. Your business can depend on Comcast Business, built for business. For Bill Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley, I'm Missy Matthews. We'll see you back here on Monday night.